Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk, Nick Rewalt joins us and we chat Tom Hawkins and where he's at. Umpire descent and all Rui gets passionate about that. The new technology at Marvel Stadium, it'll change the way we do things. And as always, we'll play real talk, shit talk. That's all to come up next. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Footy Talk, your daily dose of footy news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. And as we do every Tuesday, we have Nick Rewalt joining us all the way from the States. G'day, Rui. Uh, before we get into chatting to you, I have to say we missed you on Saturday night, the St Kilda 150-year anniversary Hall of Fame event. Had all the legends there, Tony Lockett, Nicky Winmar, Neil Roberts, Ross Smith, we could, list could go on, but no, really. So it wasn't quite the same, but hello, it's good to see you today. <laughs> I appreciate it, Joey. It was hard to watch, I must admit, particularly uh, seeing yourself and uh, my other good mate, Nick Del Sano, get inducted. So congratulations to you, G. You're not bad. You get inducted into the Hall of Fame and you're just strolling 15 minutes late today, just you know, just doing things on your own, <laughs> own terms now. <laughs> is, this, is this how a Hall of Famer rolls? Well, we're working around your t- the, your times that suit you over in America. So an early start for me here as we record this one early in the morning. So it is unusual. Bit of traffic too on the roads again. Um, but no, it's, uh, it was a nice weekend. How good was the night? So I, I, I did get the... Uh, I did get the drunken Uber ride phone call home <laughs> at about 2 a.m. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it looked like an absolute belter. Yeah, I had a bit of permission to uh, to pin the ears back. So it was good to have a crack because um, it was it was a great night. It was one of the highlights for the footy club. We had some great um, great moments there. And it was a bit like, to be honest, though, Ru, like your wedding day where there's so much going on. There's so many people you want to speak to and get around and people want to chat. You don't really get to sort of settle in. So I had all my schoolmates come and obviously family. I had the uh, our boys that we all played with um, there as well that you were trying to get around. The other past greats, you wanted to go and chat to Spider Everett and Ozzy Jones and, you know, Cuz Winmar and then Plugger rocked up and, you, you know, wanted to say day and then... Eric Banner and Jane Bunn and Molly Meldrum are floating around and then there's the games on at the same time, so you're getting distracted trying to watch the footy. So it was it was pretty hectic, but it was it was a great night and then the boys having the big win just uh, topped it off beautifully. So Saints 3 and Zip, they're flying. Did you get to have a chat with Plugger? Because I know every time we've, we've sort of been in the same room as him, which has been very, very rarely across the, the course of, you know, 20-odd years' involvement with the St Kilda Football Club, Hall of Fame, maybe Kenny Whiffen's funeral, that's probably just about it. Did you get to have a chat with Plugger? Yeah, I did. I did, and um, you're right, because I remember the first time Plugger came to, it might have been Hall of Fame maybe 10 years ago, and I remember Cosie and I went up to Kenny Whiffen, who was the old trainer who was close to Plugger, and we said, can you introduce us to Tony Lockett? Because it might have been a huge event where it was hard to get to. So I had a photo on my fridge for about, well, nearly 10 years of uh, Cosie and I with Plugger. You're right, he's been at a couple of other, unfortunately, probably funerals, Danny Frawley's, um, yeah. Kenny Whiffens. But for him to rock up, he yep. came in late, he snuck through the back and he just sort of kept to himself. But Dell and I got to go and say good day and, and have a chat and got a photo with him. So that was, um, that was a pretty cool moment. That's awesome. And it's amazing that someone who, you know, you're a, you know, part of that fraternity of having played games, but still he's got this aura about him, doesn't yeah, he? he does. That wherever he goes, he, he just carries it. And there's that bit of starstruck factor with Plugger. Yeah. So I'm glad you got to catch up with him. Well done to you, mate. Great honour. Very well deserved. Very, very happy for you. Proud of you. Thank you, really. Well, let's get into the let's get into the footy news because that's what uh, that's what people want to hear us talk about. And I want to start with the Cats because obviously 
Over the weekend, the big story out of this week is Geelong. Zip and three, you know, first time in 50 years that a reigning premier started zip and three, something along those lines. What's your make first? What do you take out of the Cats starting zip and three? Oh, I mean, there's a hunger issue, clearly. I think you, you listen to the comments uh, of Jeremy Cameron talking about his off-season. Um, you know, would he, have, would he have prepared the the corresponding off-season the year before in the same way? I don't think there's any question that, that, he, that he wouldn't have done that. Um, so, and look, it, it's human nature. I do think it's understandable. I remember when um, Tom Barras from West Coast, after they'd won the flag a few years ago and he was interviewed, his sort of reaction was, oh, well, now what? And I can imagine for a lot of these guys, you know, that, that, would be the, that would be the sentiment and that would be the feeling, which is contradictory to what you hear, you know, the, the teams that have been a part of, you know, back to back to back, the Hawks or the Tigers, that it was, oh, it tastes so good, we want to, we want to go and do it again, we want to taste it again. Um, but, but, I, but I can understand it, but I think to say that it's anything other than a hunger issue would probably be just looking, looking to, to paint over the cracks a little bit. So, look, it's rectifiable, but you just wonder how much damage has been done over a, a limited pre-season because of limited attitudes. Yeah, it's, it's spot on. I mean, and I think there are other factors that when you combine a bit of everything, and I'm not maybe going to go down, it's all hunger, but when you combine injuries to some of their players, the later pre-season or even, you know, the talk about it, it was a bit of a softer pre-season. They weren't sort of, well, they're certainly not up and humming as much as some other teams. Yes, the reality is everyone, a lot of those champions are 12 months older, so that does catch up. Um, plus the new players that they're trying to integrate and, you know, they've still got their, um, their, their sort of game trying to figure it out. So when you combine everything, it probably does explain why they are zipping three. Um, look, they will get their act together, I think, at some stage this season. But as you said, is it going to be a bridge too far? Because now when you're that far behind, you have to do absolutely everything right throughout the season to not just get yourself back in the race, but then to try and leapfrog all the other teams that are that are hungry and desperate to win a flag. Um, it's going to be a mighty effort from here if they get anywhere close to winning a premiership. Yeah, and the cliff comes quickly for, for senior players. And I know there's a there's dialogue right now about Tom Hawkins and, and, and Pay Dangerfield and um, you, you, you just wonder whether those moments might arrive. I've got great faith. I'm a big Chris Scott advocate. Um, I think what he did last year, the, the way he was able to transform that side from a, from a game plan point of view was one of the most courageous and well-executed pieces of coaching I've seen just about ever yep. in, in any sport. Um, so, look, I, I think he'll find a way to start to get the best out of that group, but will it be too, too little too late? You know, there's a long way yeah, to go. They need a lot to go right, don't they, when you're playing catch-up for the whole year. I want to ask about Tom Hawkins, 35 years of age, didn't do a pre-season at all with a foot injury, was off legs, and then it felt like he was going to miss, or we were told he was going to miss about the first month of the season. Rocks up round one, plays, but his three games have been underwhelming. He looks a bit um, out of condition or not quite just you know playing the way that he usually plays, which is such a, a high standard. What do you think they should do with him? Can you actually get match fit just playing games on a weekend and trying to do extra during the season? Or when you get to the age of 35, is it all just about playing, recover, play? And in fact, as the year goes on, you get more deconditioned. Where do you sit with what, what yeah, they should well, do? I, I, I won't say what they should do because I'm always reluctant to, to make calls yeah. on players' bodies when we don't have all the information. But what I have seen work is give him a mini pre-season now. Um, so, okay, the, the, the game's... At a, for a player that age with his injury history as well, it, it becomes a slippery slope and, and you almost become unfisher as the season goes on if you can't train fully 
in the Tuesday to Thursday session. So you're ultimately only doing one session a week and then it's about recovery. What I have seen work is you freshen the player up, you give him a three or four week block where he's, he's in his runners more often, he's out, he's building that fitness base and then you bring him back in. The other thing that can do for the group is it's almost a bit of a circuit breaker. So you bring in some younger players, you bring in some fresh guys, you change things up in front of a footy, you have a bit more speed and agility and, 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 and that just creates a bit of a, you know, a, 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 a trigger moment mm. for the rest of the group to think, okay, you know, we're not flying right now. We've got we to shake things up a little bit and, and maybe it starts with me and the effort I'm bringing on a weekend. So, look, they've got some options, uh, Geelong, in terms of their depth. We know how strong their VFL was last year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them go down that path. I like the theory. What about then the other team, similar to the Cats, but slightly different, Richmond. So Richmond have won their premierships. They are getting slightly older, a lot of their champions as well. Bit of a sluggish start. They had the draw against Carlton, you know, a, a loss against Collingwood last week where they didn't really look likely to win. Where do you see Richmond with where they're at? Yeah, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this back on, back on to you because you would have seen them live, and I think it's always difficult to, to tell you know, on, on the box, but... Do you put it down to the fact that they're, they're, they're core throughout those premiership years? So you, you, the Rewalds, Cochins, Martins, these sort of guys have come off enough to cause the, the sort of lack of form? Or is it the ones that we thought were going to come through and take over haven't accelerated at the rate we thought? Well, if you had to lay it at the feet of one or the other, where would you where would you take it? No, I like to think it's always a combination, really. It's always never one or the other. So, Richmond, I think, for me, going into this year, I thought for them to be a contender, they needed everything to go right. So durability is becoming an issue for Richmond the last few years. That's just fact. So now, you know, Dusty out, Jaden Short out, having some players getting injuries was going to affect them because they probably don't have the depth of young talent. Well, they've got some young players, but they haven't been exposed a lot. So they're still quite young. But the ones that played on the weekend actually showed they've they've got a little bit. Plus the new players coming in, finding the right balance. I'm still going to hold fire on Richmond. I still think that if they can get their best players, um, they can like, – they were missing six of their best 18 on the weekend. So people were saying, oh, no, Dusty, no, Jaden Short, um, a couple of others. But they forgot about Gibkiss, who now is an important part of their back line. So he's probably taken over from Robbie Tarrant. Ivan Soldo, they like having the two rucks. So there's still a little bit to work with for Richmond. But at the moment, they don't look as threatening as some of these top sort of four or five teams that have got the real hunger to win a premiership and maybe are a bit more in their prime in regards to the core demographic when you think of Melbourne and Collingwood and the Sydney Swans and the Brisbane Lions, teams that have sort of got that that core group of play in the right age bracket. Richmond's a post-30, but... A big couple of it's a big couple of weeks for the Tigers. Some really tough games, starting with the Western Bulldogs this week, who found a little bit. So that will be fascinating. We'll see where the Tigers end up in about three or four weeks' time. We'll know more. The other big talking point out of the weekend, really, and I know you love talking about umpires, was the umpire dissent, the free kick paid against Steve Cornelio for basically asking the umpire why that wasn't holding the ball. Uh, yesterday, the AFL umpiring department came out and made this statement. Uh, in regards to the decision in question, we feel that, make no mistake, if the umpire's decision wasn't challenged both verbally and through actions by the player concerned, then we wouldn't be having this debate. So, make no mistake, players are well aware if they challenge the umpire's decision, they run the risk of a dissent and a free kick or 50 metre penalty applying, and that was the case in this instance. Look, we understand the game's emotional, as it should be, and sometimes, you know, people react differently under the under the heat of the moment, whether that's players, whether that's coaches, whether that's umpires. So, we understand, we understand the game's tough. We also understand 
it's a bit of grey in this and it's not always black and white with every decision in the game. So uh, from an umpire perspective and coaching perspective, we certainly have some boundaries that the umps work within, but we can't coach everything and we can't coach every single decision in the moment and that's where this one lands. A lot of criticism around Dan Richardson's comments. Oh, seriously, and I, I agree, Joey. When you, when you say things like make my mistake, make no mistake three times and you, you take two minutes to say what you could say in 10 seconds, you don't believe in what you're talking about. So, so he doesn't believe in what he's saying there, is my opinion. What is the right answer? Well, is this to say this is not how we wanted umpire? To, because do you, do you honestly think that the AFL wanted umpire that way? No, probably but so not. What, what, is the, what is the one thing we want with umpire? Consistency. There you go. So we want consistency with umpiring, but when you open it to interpretation on which, which could change from situation to situation, well, then you're never going to get consistency. And and so to say that oh, we're just happy to sit by with 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 whatever decision the umpire makes is is not is not leadership. That's not leadership. But is the game not great? Is the game not is not every decision in the game great? It's interpretation. The game is great, Joey. But but this was wrong. This was wrong. Do we, is, this, is this how we want the game umpired? Like a, a player to be able to put his hands out and say, is that not a free kick? Like I think, I think when we started this conversation around dissent, this is not what we, this is not what we were talking yeah. about. We were talking about super demonstrative, pointing at the umpire, swearing at the umpire. This was none of those things. So I think that was a rubbish explanation from, from the AFL and it would be good if they actually just came out and said, you know what, this isn't how we want it umpired. We got this one wrong. So let's be clear from the players' point of view that this sort of thing won't decide a grand final. Mm. That that would have been, I think, appropriate leadership. Yeah, okay. It's interesting just, just hearing that because I do get the un- understanding that all umpires have to make their own interpretation, whether it's holding the ball, what classifies as as a high you know high tackle, is that am I going to pay that one for a tiny jumper pull or is it a bigger jumper pull? What counts as holding the to man? Me, yeah. so that, to me, it reeked of an umpire wanting to blow the whistle. Like that's what a reeked of. Yeah, I agree with that. Wanting to insert. I agree with that. I agree with that. But there is an element of there is interpretation and it is grey. So if you are going to argue, you might get pinged. So that is the warning. But in saying that, you can't say you might get pinged. But we understand it's an emotional game and players will react. It's like well, it's one or the other. So players will react. But yeah, it was a big talking point. And none of us are any clearer on it. Other than if you do it, you might get pinged. You might not. Depends on the umpire. We're not sure. And we'll leave it at that. Crystal. Crystal clear. Crystal. Excellent, excellent. (laughs) Hey, last thing I want to touch uh, on with you before we get to a break and do our Real Talk Shit Talk segment is the future of stadiums because I've seen today in the Herald Sun that Marvel Stadium – is tackling the queues for food, beer, and uh, and ordering things at the uh, at the, the counter with a, a just walkout technology. So in simple terms, really, you can now go to the food stalls at Marvel Stadium, tap your card before you even get your food, go and pick whatever you want, and when you walk out through artificial intelligence, they will know exactly what you've ordered and your receipt will come up on your phone. The money will be withdrawn, taken out of your account by the time you get back to your seat. How the bloody hell does that work? Because that's almost exactly the jo- the work you are doing over in the states. Yeah, as so I'm working for for PMY, it's a sports, uh, well, technology solutions company dealing in in sports, major events and venues. And this is this is a hot topic. I went to a conference recently um, for Sports Business Journal, and this this was the big ticket item was uh, cashless interaction at concession stands. So basically, you you walk up, you enter your credit card. If you already have a, a system, you can just put your palm over a sensor. It will log that it's you coming in. You walk in, 
pick off the stands whenever you want. You get your hot dog. Joey, you can get two or three foreign twenties and a, and a bottle of Coke and walk back to your seat without without paying essentially uh, in terms of a, a transaction at the at the point of sale system. So they've got cameras overhead. They've got IoT sensors throughout the little store, and it, it just through artificial intelligence, the technology can ascertain what you've taken. And you can walk back to your seat, but I can already see problems arising. Surely there's know, a way to rort this system. I'm already thinking about it. I oh, you've got your little kleptomaniac hat well, on. Well, straight away, you first, it's, it's like now with the Coles checkouts when, you know, you buy your tomatoes and they always ask you the, the, the trust <laughs> the trust tomatoes or the organic tomatoes. And you know the organic ones are more expensive, so you always push the trust tomatoes. Surely there's got to be a way that people can manipulate the system. Well, I'm, I'm sure there will be some some manipulating going on, a um, few five-finger discounts, but I can already see a problem. You try to re- remove friction, but I can see people like my old man and your old man, they're going to go up and they're going to spend 10 minutes wondering whether they're doing the right thing or not. We can get a situation where you can walk out without paying for a uh, for a hot dog, but we can't tell whether it's a goal or a point properly yet. That's exactly right. So Marvel Stadium, you just can do that, but we can't tell if the ball's gone out of bounds completely, if the ball's <laughs> gone through the goals or or not. We, yeah, oh, my God. We'll get to that stage. Maybe yeah, these we'll get microchips we'll in get the footies will sort all that out. Hey, well done. We'll take a break because up next we want to do real talk, shit talk. But if you do have any theories on how else we can improve technology at stadiums, hit Rui up on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or on TikTok at footy talk pod and uh, throw a question our way. Up next, Real Talk Shit Talk. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Listener, please hit the like button. Leave us a review and rating. New episodes every day at lunchtime. I'm here with Nick Rewalt today. On this Tuesday, Rui, let's take a look at some of the reactions from the weekend's footy and we'll play Real Talk, Shit Talk. Big one has been the Brisbane Lions and where they're at. I'm going to ask you, the Brisbane Lions can't win the Premiership with Danaher and Hipwood as their key forwards. Real Talk or Shit Talk? Well... I mean, they can. Are they going to help them win it? Or would they maybe help them win it by more if they're already up and about? I, I don't think they're the sort of players that change the course of games. Joe is, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's a freakish talent. We know that. So same with Hipwood for that matter. They can do some really, really special things. But oh, I question the competitiveness at times of, of both of those guys. And I think that's why you get the fluctuations in performance. So, well, there's a there's a big watch. They're, they're not alone within the Brisbane lineup of guys that... Um, you know, are, are lacking consistency. I think Bailey's a player that we all thought was going to explode and be one of the great players in the competition, but his form's been up and down as well. So, look, I, yeah, they can, but I don't think they're going to be the, the reason or the guys that drag them over the line. Uh, one for you, Joey. Uh, this is a fair statement. No Selwood, no Geelong. No, I think that's shit talk. I've been hearing this narrative and I'm finding it hard to think, even if Joel Selwood was playing on this year, that everything we spoke about earlier, all the reasons, the little things that have all added up for Geelong start, I don't think that Joel Salwood would make that much difference. I think it's insulting to the other leaders. So you can't have it both ways. I mean, if Joel Salwood is that great a leader that when he's gone, the whole club falls apart, that's amazing. But then I find the whole talk about the Cats was the success of their all their leaders, Blitzarves, Tom Stewart, Paddy Dangerfield, Cam Guthrie, Mitch Duncan, Tom Hawkins. I find it insulting to them that we're saying without Joel Salwood there, that they're rudderless and that they can't change the course of a game or their standards aren't as high. 
I find that hard to believe. I think it's just a combination of all the factors we've touched on. That's shit talk. We know he's one of the all-time greats, but he, he hasn't made that much of a difference to this these players for their start to the year. So I'm not buying that one. Not, speaking of the key forwards, Rui, we spoke about Brisbane's. Gary Hine, I liked it last night. He said Carlton have a rooster problem because they've got two roosters inside the same forward 50. You, through parts of your career, had issues. You had play with Fraser Gehrig and you had Hamill and you had Cozzy. Can two big roosters work in the same Ford 50? Oh, well, there was no issue with uh, Fraser Garrick because he, he was the uh, he was a lone rooster inside <laughs> 50. My instructions were pretty up, clear. Up, it was high and run. Get up, get up, get up out of the ground, run around and kick the ball into me, which is uh, which is what I did the year he kicked 100 goals. Um, so no rooster issue there. Look, I, I think Keith Ford's can exist. It's probably a little bit more difficult now than it was in, in years gone by when you had you had a legitimate full forward who didn't really buy in team defence and just stayed anchored to the goal square. So Dunstall played deep, Burton played high. Longmire played deep and Carey played high. So I think the, the evolution of the game and the, the full ground team defence has made it, made it more difficult. But don't forget, Charlie Curnow hasn't played a lot of footy over the past few years. So, and so last year, yeah, he put a really good year together. But this continuity needs to continue to evolve and... Harry Mackay, I think, in particular, needs to he needs to improve his his sort of peripheral awareness and understanding of of what's going on in and around him at times because he's more a lead mark player, whereas Kerno he's a three hundred and sixty player in terms of he'll run back with it, he'll run at it. So I, I think it's probably more on Mackay to defer to Kerno and create space for him at times, just given the nature of those two players and the way they play the game. Hey, I heard you and uh, speaking of great key forwards, David Neitz, Joey. Uh, he was talking about Clayton Oliver and at the end of his career potentially becoming the greatest ever demon. Is that real talk or is it shizen? No, that is real talk. Clayton Oliver, 150 games on the weekend. He will be Melbourne's greatest ever player when he retires. Wow. He's already won four BNFs. He's already won one premiership, and I think they'll win at least at least one more in his time. He'll win a Brownlow at some stage. He'll rack up multiple All-Australians. His CV will be the best of any Melbourne player by the time he retires. So I think he will be Melbourne's grasp. If they win multiple, well, then that means Max Gorn's a multiple premiership captain. Yeah. Will he go past Gorn? Oh, yeah, I know. That's, the, <laughs> that's a hard team. one. That's <laughs> a, and Gorn's already a six-time All-Australian. <laughs> that, so yeah. who's third on the podium then? Who are they chasing? Oh, well, I think it isn't it David Neitz or... Is it Neitz uh, or Robbie Flower, Flower or yeah. what about Ronald Dale? Or Gary and Ron, yeah, Ron Barassi. I mean, it's hard for us to go back to the to those days, but there's a few there. But I think this modern yeah. crop with uh, with the success, I mean, you're going to have to go back to the when, 50s when Melbourne won the, all their yeah. all their premierships yep. in that era. So it's a great conversation, but he will be right up there, the, the very end. We've got, a, we've got a question sent in via Instagram. Let's listen to this one from Stephen. Love the pod, guys. Quick question. Who is the player that each club can least afford to lose this season in order for them to win the premiership? Oh, that's good, considering we've had no notice on that one. Um, I'll start with some of the contenders. Brisbane Lions, I think it's it's Lockie Neal. I think Lockie Neal is like the engine room for that Brisbane Lions side. So if he gets injured, Brisbane can't win the flag. Right. Well, we're just talking about Melbourne. Is it Petrarca, Oliver or Gorn? Uh, for a chief, from what we saw with Brody Grundy on the weekend, maybe they could survive without Gorn. Melbourne, I think it's Stephen. I think personally Mel- Melbourne's most important play is Stephen, Stephen May. Stephen May, yeah. Because I still think even if Clayton Oliver was in- as great as he is, they could still probably cover. Stephen May is Melbourne's most important player. What about Collingwood? 
Is it Darcy Moore? Probably the same thing, Darcy Moore. Yeah. yeah. The way that he covers other people, the way that he defends, makes it all click. What about the Sydney Swans? If they want to win the flag, really, who can they least afford to lose? Because they are a team that are a bit more of an even spread. Well, that, that's the, I think that was the beauty of the Swans mm. last year is, uh, is, is the even spread they had. Look, I think in terms of a player's ability to break the game open, uh, you, you could make the argument on Collingwood that it might be Jordan Degoe also. I think he falls into that mix. I, I think a guy like Chad Warner now has such a consistent impact on games for them that he's sort of that one with that little bit of X factor that, you know, if, if he gets hot, he's the guy that can get them over the line. I'd probably throw him into that mix. Uh, who, who are we missing? Which other clubs? Oh, they're sort of the main contenders. They're and the maybe ones, the, yeah, what that, about the Saints? What about the – hang on, hang on. Premiership contenders, top of the ladder, yeah. St Kilda. Who is their most important player? It was Max King, but they've won three without him. It was Jack Steele, yeah, they won without him. And the most important person be a coach. Quick word on the Saints. You've been impressed? Yeah, I have. And it's amazing what happens when you, when you get some accountability – uh, into a joint and, and you start delivering on, on great effort and system. Uh, you know, I don't think there's there's any real secret. Again, like, I don't know how sustainable it is because I think at some stage the talent gap catches up. But, gee, I've been super impressed with with what I've seen. The, the, the players are bought in and you can you can tell, like, when you when you give great effort and you get results, that that that's what enjoyment in footy looks like. And, and the Saints are just, you know, they're loving their footy right now. Well, spot on. As we know, really, effort and system can cover a lot of cracks with talent. So that if they continue to give great effort and play with the system they've got, uh, they can continue to cover the lack of talent on their list. Hey, as always, love seeing you on a Tuesday. We appreciate your time. Of course, if you do have a question, as we said, fire away on Instagram or uh, TikTok. Tomorrow, we'll have Abby Holmes with Melbourne superstar Nathan Jones, or former captain and superstar Nathan Jones. But until then, enjoy your day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.